You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Animal Party is brought to you by Pet Care Rx, America's most affordable pet pharmacy. Pet Care Rx offers the same meds as top vets, but with a savings up to 50%. So go to PetCareRx.com. Use promo code ANIMAL10, A-N-I-M-A-L, the number 10, and receive $10 off orders of $50 or more. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. This is Deborah Wolf, your host, and we're going to be talking about something kind of funny, kind of fun today about Jewish cats, my life as a Jewish cat. What is that all about? Well, we're going to be talking to the author of the book, Greta Beagle, when she comes on the show. And do Jewish cats play mahjong? Are they uh, overly concerned with their finances? <laughs> Are they overeducated? <laughs> do, they, do they worry too much? Are they anxious? I've got lots of questions to ask her. Do Jewish cats spend more time at the beauty parlor than non-Jewish cats? Do they see the doctor more? Oh yeah, i got questions for her. So we'll be talking to her later about that and contrasting some of the things in her book. And her, the cat she writes about has been all around the world. So we'll be talking about that too. But before that, I want to ask you, do you think you would rather kiss your dog or cat on New Year's? to ring in the new year or would you rather kiss Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie whichever one you like best want to kiss the celeb or you want to kiss your own pet well think about that and I'll tell you some good things those two celebs have been doing during the show I'll let you know about that all right so now we're going to bring on to the show Greta Beagle but before we do that please listen to our sponsors and then we'll be back to hear about musings of a Jewish cat don't leave this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. At Petco, we really love pets. There isn't anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like, So how do you feel about cat condos? We can say from experience, Feels like home. For her. Enter the code PARTY10, P-A-R-T-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. Celebrate your special occasion and give her this classic semi-eternity band created with one-carat brilliant diamonds channel set in 14-carat white gold. Exclusively yours from ICE.com. Free shipping over $150, free returns, and 30-day money-back guarantee. Go to ICE.com and use promo code ACTFP and get 20% off your purchase. Or use promo code ADTFP and get 20% off at Diamond.com. ICE.com or Diamond.com. Get 20% off from Pet Life Radio. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. Is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. 
For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on sponsorship information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. This year, Americans are expected to spend a jaw-dropping $36 billion on their pets. From lighted leashes to high-end spa products, the discriminating pet owner can find just about anything to pamper his or her pet. Hi, this is Michelle Fern. Join me every week for Best Bets for Pets, where we'll talk about the latest pet products and talk to the companies that make them. Best Bets for Pets, every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. Welcome back to Animal Party, Pet Life Radio. And we're here with the author of the book, Musings, My Life as a Jewish Cat. Now, before, before we got her on the line, before we got to... Greta Beagle. I was talking to Mark and he, my producer, and he had a great idea. He said, well, why don't you ask her if Jewish cats have cat mitzvahs? And are they 13 years old when they have their cat mitzvah? So Greta, could you answer that question for Mark, our producer? <laughs> well, as I was telling Mark, they have many, many lives, um, 13 lives. And yes, I could easily see um, a cat having a cat mitzvah. We've got the yarmulkes where we can get from um, the various pet stores and it, it's still very dignified. And we could have a wonderful celebration um, for a kitty with a wonderful food that everybody we could enjoy, fish, gefilte fish. <laughs> <Gefilter> fish. <laughs> yeah, I definitely could see a lovely cat mitzvah and you get all your friends and you have a lot of fun and a celebration and it could be a real mitzvah. It could be fun. Well, okay, so you say gefilte fish. I could see cats enjoying that. Are mice kosher? That's what my cat wants to know. I think when it comes to mice, kosher sort of goes by the wayside. I think <laughs> really? kitties just say, oh, wow. But my particular kitty, Ketzel, in, in my book, a mice are sort of beneath her dignity. She eats very well, and she's in a, a very loved cat in a very loving Jewish home, and really mice are sort of incidental. They don't come her way very often. So I would speculate that she sort of would be very snooty towards it, but if it's there, it's there. We don't worry about kosher. Okay, so you've got a snooty cat. Do you think that's something that has to do with her having a Jewish mother, that she's turning her nose up at food? And is she a pampered cat? Is that the life of a Jewish cat? Yes, very pampered and very, not only pampered, but also very respected. So she develops enormous self-esteem and inner self-worth. And that translates into not perhaps being snooty, but as feeling very secure in her own being. So she can sort of take things or leave it. Um, she doesn't have the, the angst and the neurosis that, that, she, that some kitties get by osmosis from Jewish mothers. In this particular household, <laughs> she's so respected and so loved. She has very strong inner self-esteem and self-worth. Okay, so how's a Jewish cat different than a non-Jewish cat? <laughs> well, as they say, that's a very good question, Deborah. Well, a Jewish cat has to have the best food. Of course, okay. we'll go to veterinarian for regular checkups. 
I mean, in my own personal life, I rescued a kitty in Laughlin, Nevada, many, many years ago, and she lives with my friend in Las Vegas who's not Jewish. I call the cat Ketzel, and she calls her Miss Kitty. So, Jewish, <laughs> Jewish mother that I am, a bilingual I bilingual cat. Yes, the I fly to Las. I fly into Las Vegas once a year being the Jewish mother and make sure she goes to the vet and has her shots and worry about nutrition. Whereas my friend just, it, it's irrelevant whether she has these things. So a Jewish cat has, has the advantage of having a, a parent who worries about her. So she'll be pampered, have the best food, the veterinarian, make sure she has vacations, she has rest time. She's largely indoor. He's largely an indoor cat because there's a worry of, you know, being hit by a car. So, um, but I can't speak for non-Jewish cats. I'm sure there's very, very loving um, non-Jewish mothers and fathers and uncles and cousins who, who are really very, very um, concerned and love their, their pets and pamper them too. So I'm sure a lot of kitties are loved everywhere. Well, we're sort of talking as if it's a little bit funny, the subject matter, but your book actually would be ideal for kids or people mm-hmm. learning about Judaism. It's not really a joke book. It's much more rituals seen from the perspective of the cat. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about the book. All right. Well, um, in essence, Ketzela, the protagonist of the book, is, is my alter ego. Um, she sees the world through the, my prism, my filter, as um, a Jew, a practicing Jew. Um, the, her pontifications are in rhyme which I think is very appealing to children. And um, I'd say this book is ideal for anybody from age eight onwards. And it's terrific at Hanukkah. I focus on the Ha holidays of Hanukkah, Passover, Atonement, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah. And um, where it's educational is, you know, I've done research where I needed to do, and the rest is just from my upbringing, my experience at the Seder table. The educational is... Aspect, for example, we explain the, the significance of the symbolism of the foods during Seder, Maror, Haroset, what it means, how the Israelis had to flee Egypt. Um, at Hanukkah, we just have a lot of fun and have a ball, and there we explain the symbolism of lighting the candles so that it, the oil lasts for eight days. And, and again, the cat has a lot of fun. So I've juxtaposed the educational aspects with a kitty who has a great life, who's, who's very funny. And it's Judaism through my prism, and then it's juxtaposed with how would a kitty respond. For example, at Yom Kippur, um, you know, I observe it, uh, very awestruck, worried about food, having food preparation before or after. And this whole book came to me because one day I thought, oh, what would a kitty do? And the kitty was saying, oh, she forgot to fill my dish. Ay, 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 at Yom Kippur. I think better go next door and find a non-Jewish kitty. And you're very envious of Catholic kitties at that point because she could go and get some fish or evokes a Dalai Lama who could possibly give her some steak. So those times she wants out of the religion, yeah. So no, it's not a joke book. It's 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 serious but humorous, I would say, is is the word I would use. Well, I notice when I read the stories... This cat, I guess it's an imaginary cat, but this cat has been all over the world. So mm-hmm. I guess that means you've been all over the world. Tell us about some of these places. I guess there's South Africa, Hawaii, New Zealand, America, different parts. I mean, this is a well-traveled cat. Well, I'll tell you, I always say to myself, I'm a wandering Jew. I really am. I'm not sure I'm gathering any moss, but I am wandering. And... um 
I went to Iceland, which was just fabulous. I was in Boston freezing, and they started promoting Iceland. I think they still are as a stop-off destination if you're going to Luxembourg or parts of Europe. And I went there, and I was late at night going with a piano friend in a car, and I said, so how many Jews are there here? Because I'd love to go to shul on Saturday. And the woman laughed. She thought I was you know, crazy because she said there was literally not one Jew in Iceland. Yeah, th- that's like me out here when I first moved here. How many Jews are there? Um, that would be you and your family, <laughs> ma'am. You know, I mean, really, that would be it's you. Very funny. Okay. Shalom and Aleichem, then, you have to say to yourself. Right. Yeah, and then I did spend some time in New Zealand, and there was, there's a lot of arguing and fighting in this beautiful town, Christchurch, which is very British. And so I did go there, and in Nelson there was, this is my last essay, this lorikeet creep, this gorgeous lorikeet. I, I'm a journalist, and I was walking across a bridge, and there was this wolf whistle going on every day. And I started to think, in the beginning, I was flattered. Then I thought, this is crazy. <laughs> I tracked her down to this glorious lorikeet. I eventually interviewed the lorikeet's mother and the lorikeet who climbed all over me. And then, of course, the cat came in, in, in my imagination, you know, scowling. Well, what is she giving this bird attention for? I could eat this bird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, did gr- I grew up in South Africa, and I left. I was a concert pianist, and I won a, a scholarship, and I came to the United States and then became a music writer, and I worked for the Los Angeles Times covering classical music. And then I started bopping around New Zealand, and um, I did live for three years in Hawaii. And that I was, think I, I want to be your cat go on some of these trips. <laughs> this is sounding really good. I get to wake up to classical music. I get to fill the fish in my bowl. I get to go to New Zealand and Iceland. I mean, this is like a tour of the places cats never get to go to. All those places you named are quarantined islands. You know, this That's is truly a fantasy. They don't get to go to any of these places without six months in a cage. This is great. So, Katzel, well, I'll, to- tell, I'll tell you, if I may interject about Hawaii, I actually interviewed Governor Linda Lingle, um, of the, she was the first Jewish governor of Hawaii, and I went to interview at the state capitol because she's got two kitty cats. So I interviewed her about her cats, and it ran in Cat Fancy magazine. And she did a lot of good for animal rights policies, and they've done away with the six-month quarantine. What you basically have to do is do all the work before you leave, you know, get certificates, shots, and then you arrive, and then you're okay, which I think is, is much more humane. Well, and Australia's short in theirs as well. But again, like you're saying, if you don't do the and it's legwork. Sometimes you, yeah, need, a, you yeah. need to start the paperwork a year before, six months before, and be going to the vet mm-hmm. regularly. So you got to find mm-hmm. out before you decide to take the trip. And a lot yes. of times, if your animal's really, really young, it's probably mm-hmm. better to find a new home for it amongst your friends and family rather than make a puppy or kitten into your long travel and quarantine. If your animal's not really young and you're sure you're going to stay there, then by all means, take it with you. But prepare so you don't have these horrible situations where, I mean, I've met puppies where they spent most of their puppy time, their growing mm-hmm. up time, alone in a kennel in a quarantine. And that's mm-hmm. not good for anybody. It's yeah, just that's not terrible. Uh, yeah, and those people, it turns out the job they commuted, they moved for in Australia, it ended up falling through. So the, oh, no. the puppy had to come back with them. And so and the whole thing was for nothing. It could have stayed oh, here. And, and Yeah. So I think you got to really, really look into it. Is it really in the best interest of your pet to make this journey with you? I've known some people who do really interesting things. Since we're talking about Jewish cats, I mm-hmm. know a rabbi. 
who has it worked out that every five or six years he spends a year in Israel. But he didn't want to deny his family pets all these years. Oh. So they've always had a family dog and they've always had a family cat and they have an arrangement <laughs> with another family So within the congregation. So when they go away for that year, somebody gets their pets for a year. Okay, it's a little unusual. It's a little strange. But they make sure that animals know these people really well and there's lots of visits yeah. back and forth. And you know what? The, it's good for everybody. It really, really it works. is. Yeah, yeah that's a very good solution because it's loving and safe. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Wow. Don't go anywhere because the best is yet to come. Stick around. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash party, P-A-R-T-Y, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. FTD's network of over 40,000 florists around the world have been creating beautiful handcrafted arrangements for 100 years. Each arrangement is delivered the same day and backed by FTD's seven-day satisfaction guarantee. For a century, people have trusted their most important occasions to the flower experts at FTD. Since Pet Life Radio is all about puppy dogs and flowers, our listeners, that's you, can get a 20% discount on your order. Just go to florop.com and use the code LUCKYS20 at checkout. F-L-E-U-R-O-P.com. Code word L-U-C-K-Y-S and the number 20. There's a movement afoot, ShoeBuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop ShoeBuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. ShoeBuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code ANIMAL, A-N-I-M-A-L, at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at ShoeBuy.com. Hi, this is Tim Link, host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Join me as we feature interviews with best-selling pet-related authors, award-winning writers, journalists, and bloggers. And we'll tell stories about the animals and interesting topics about the animals in our lives. Each of the interviews will give you a first-hand knowledge about why the authors and writers chose a particular story, what the feature animals meant to them, and what has become of those animals that we've talked about. And of course, I'll also share stories from my own books, blogs, articles, and experiences. So be sure to join me and the writers and authors on Animal Rights. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. So, okay. So, would you mind, would you pick something and read for me from the book? Because we told them that it rhymes. But you don't really get the feel of 
how cute it is to read if you're sitting in front of a bunch of kids who want to know about a Jewish holiday and instead of reading them the same old, same old book they've read every year, this is a totally new take. You can pull this out. If the kids love cats, they're going to listen. So would All you right. mind reading us a little bit? Sure. Should I read a little bit from Hanukkah Night's Lights? Because everybody oh, relates great. to Hanukkah. I'll sure. go right into the opening and then I'll jump somewhere else. Hanukkah, Hanukkah, Festival of Lights. Each December we honor you over eight fun-filled nights. It was not always so thousands of years ago. A ragtag army of Hebrews led by one fearless Judah Maccabee defeated Greek Syrian warriors who would not let our people be. The Temple of Jerusalem was recaptured, cleaned, and rededicated, and a menorah representing a tree of eternal light newly created. With enough oil to light the candelabra for but one day, there appeared to all to be no other way, yet lights burned bright for days numbering eight, making the miracle of Hanukkah well great. I live for latkes with applesauce and sour cream. Be assured they're every cat and dog gourmet's dream. Fried in oil. Note symbolism, please. In a deep pan, potato pancakes can also come with any kind of jam. Piled high on platters, they're served piping hot. Before giving me mine, my mama blows on them a lot. What a grand finale when I pounce and knock from table to floor. A box of colored candles given as a gift by the nice lady next door. I slap a green one, bite of a bit of blue and suck on something red. Then bless the candles one and all and race up to my mama's warm bed. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> That's great. Thank you very much. I'm sure people sure. are uh, ready now. So, okay, if you're listening to that and you wish you could read that, maybe you're thinking, oh, Purim's coming up or Passover, or maybe you're not Jewish and you'd like to learn about Judaism, but you don't really feel like getting into the textbooks. This is an easy, light way to do it. If you've got church library and there's books on other cultures there for kids to pick up, this might be one you'd want to put on the shelf. So how do they get it? Well, the book, first of all, um, is an e-book. It's available at Amazon um, on a Kindle edition, Barnes & Noble. They have a Nook edition. And just for regular email download at smashwords.com. And I also recorded, we, I had the most fun. You could tell I enjoyed the reading. I collaborated mm -hmm. on two tracks with a Grammy pianist, Michael Hoppe, and it's the same title, Musings, My Life as a Jewish Cat, for download, and it's at Amazon MP3, or which almost everybody has iTunes. So it's fun either way. Oh, yeah, that's great. Because sometimes people who listen to the radio like, like to listen to books, too. So then that would be a great way to capture some kids, maybe put it on at bedtime, <laughs> yeah. change it up a bit. Okay, so you've lived in quite a few countries, and I can tell you're a, an extreme cat lover. How would you describe for us some of the differences? I know you said South Africa and mm -hmm. L.A. was in there, and I think now you're in Portland. Yeah. So are these things different? For I mean, climate is huge difference between, I guess, South Africa and L.A. isn't that different, but then to Portland, where it's wet and cold. How does this yeah, factor well, into your life as a cat lover? Well, Portland, you know, I love talking to kitty cats wherever I go. And Hawaii was just a dream for a cat lover. Every night, you know, they come out at dusk. I go five or six into the different neighborhoods. And in one street, I remember, in this lovely suburb, Kahala, they were at five or six regulars that I play with and do roly-polies with and just have a ball. But in Portland, you very rarely see kitties because it's so cold, they're mainly indoor cats. But what I've noticed people are doing here increasingly, they have cats on a leash or a harness, 
and they go out into the uh, the parks. And then my neighbor has bought a stroller, and he's got this gorgeous white and brown cat called Butterscotch, just gorgeous. And Butterscotch sits in the stroller, sniffing around, because when the sun comes out in Portland, everybody runs. We all go charging into the street. I mean, you, you forget what it looks like. It's like that here, too. People take the is day it? off when it's sunny, and people in other parts of the world, they roll their eyes. They think, oh, yeah, the sun is shining in Vancouver. Nobody's in the office today. But you don't know what it's like to live in a rainforest. Oh, if the sun just, is shining, ridiculous. I'm outside. I'll find something to do outside. Yes, absolutely. You need it. And I think it's important. I mean, in my mind, I may be completely wrong, and you're the expert on kitties, but I think they need some sunshine and some fresh. So in a stroller on a, on a leash, and what's very funny, in downtown Portland, I've seen a couple of men who actually, rain or shine, they have these kitties on their back with a long leash. And you watch these cats, are extraordinary. They go through downtown looking, sniffing, and you, you don't go near them or pet them because he gets annoyed. But there they are. So you see all sorts of strange situations and pictures with kitties. Yeah, we Hawaii, you know, it's something hmm? I saw that really blew me away, and I wouldn't recommend this to anyone. Most cats do not like crowds, and they don't want to be put in situations like this. But I was at the Olympics, the big, huge celebration in the downtown streets of Vancouver last year in February, and it was mobbed. It was packed. It was hundreds and hundreds of people deep. The whole, all the streets were shut down, and there were policemen at every intersection, and there were busking bands and jugglers, and I mean, it was amazing. It was completely family friendly and beautiful, and the sun. Sean and it was just great but in the middle of all of this there was a guy with a very large fat run-of-the-mill sort of domestic short-haired cat on his head sitting on his head no leash no collar no nothing and and it was purring and if you asked he'd let you pet it and I mean I right away went up and interviewed the guy and he didn't have a lot to say and it was kind of difficult doing the interview I I kind of sensed that the man was a little unusual and the cat was probably more his caregiver than anything else but it was oh. extraordinary to see this cat work the crowd and liking being there not many That's cats true. would like that though most cats i think what you're finding with portland isn't so much the climate because mm-hmm. if people are taking them out on leashes and in strollers they are getting them out and the cats do want to go out but there is a very big predator problem out here and portland is mm. definitely on the coyote menu so Oh. They'd have a real problem. If cats were just allowed to come and go, they'd go missing. And I really think that's oh. going to be a huge part of the reason why they're not allowed that in traffic. But mm. I'm surprised that, that's, that things like that, wild dogs perhaps, isn't more of an issue in Hawaii. Is there not predators there? Like roaming? No, I, well, there, there might be, but no. No. No, no okay, so they handled anything. It. Never heard. Um, I never read about it. I never heard anything about it because the cats are outside day and night. I mean, they're all outside. So oh, no, you're making I, me want to go to Hawaii even more. As oh, well, I sit I'm, here I'm looking go- out at the snow, you know, how how could you possibly make me want to go there more? You just did it. <laughs> Well, I'm actually going in two weeks, thank goodness. I've got a friend and I go there once. And she's, I'm going to be house-sitting her little kitty Lucy while they go away for the anniversary. So, you know, the Jewish mother Greta's going to come and look after little Lucy. Lucy's just adorable. While She talks while you're sitting having breakfast or walk. She walks by and goes, bitty, 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 bitty. And she also enjoys, um, my friend's a piano teacher and she's a pianist and Lucy enjoys um, sitting on the bench watching her and she also had another um, cat previously named Gabby and Gabby would really sit on the piano bench and was very discerning about the quality of the music. I mean, it was adorable. You know, They're very Jewish mothers and fathers with their kitty. Oh my goodness, they're amazing. One of my cats actually likes to push the keys. 
to make sound. <laughs> and he looks at them and he listens and then he pushes them more. And he especially likes it when he pushes two or three at once. And it kind of makes a, a chord, really. It, not a very nice chord, but a chord. And it, he's, he's really interested in it. When the kids were trying to play, I mm-hmm. have to make him leave the room or he's interfering. He's a funny That's cat. Fun. What's his name? His name's Lion. He's my most playful cat. I'm, I keep promising to take pictures of him for Pet Life Radio listeners because yeah. I recently figured out on air I'd been suffering from a really sore neck for a while. Mm-hmm. See, this is how you know I'm a Jewish mother. I was suffering from this sore neck, and I kept going to the doctor and the chiropractor and the physiotherapist and all this. And finally, my husband's looking at me one day as I'm standing in the kitchen, and I've got this cat draped over my neck like a stole, because <laughs> that's where he likes to be. And he says, you know, Lion's not a kid anymore. He's kind of heavy now, isn't he? And I said, oh, yeah, he's really heavy. He's put on weight. He's going to be a big cat, I say, of this two-year-old cat. And my husband said, you know, do you think maybe that's why your neck's always sore? And I was like, bingo, you know, that's exactly why my neck's sore. I've been carrying this 15-pound cat around my neck for so long. And he jumps from the ground, from furniture, lands on my neck. He does it without scratching me. Oh, yeah, he's just lovely. I wouldn't want to discourage it. I I put up with a sore neck, you know, like like that joke. And, you know, how many many people does it take to, uh, to change a Jewish mother's light bulb? Oh, it's okay. I'll sit in the dark, you know. Oh, my neck hurts. It's okay. I love my cat. Can't help it. He's got me under his thumb, this cat. How many cats do you have? I have too many cats. I have some that I actually wanted, and then the SPCA came here once and dropped one off. And uh, (laughs) I seem to be, you know you're a cat lady when the the official rescue people actually come to your house with pets and... (laughs) Leave them, you know. But um, I have seven altogether indoor cats who wow. have, three of them, have sweet-talked the dogs to such a degree that they can now come and go via the doggy doors, which I did not plan, but so they're indoor-outdoor. The rest are indoor. And then there's two cats who just showed up here who live outside. We call them sun and rain because one's red, one's gray. Don't know Aww. who they are, where they're from. No Aww. doubt they'll be moving in soon. You know, oh, but uh, and it's Camp Good Dog. This place is is so dog friendly. You would think it would be the last place cats would want to be, but yeah. the dogs have an advantage. They um they keep things like coyotes, wolves, birds of prey, uh, all of that away. So actually, this is probably the safest place in the world. You know, uh, and so it's it's interesting. I also find that robins will build mm. their nests at exactly eye level. And that always surprised me because the bird books say they build nests higher and, you know, Mm. why would they do that? They've got these 100-foot-tall trees here, taller even. Why would they build them at eye level? And then I realized it's because they're making use of the dogs. No bird of prey or fox or squirrel or anything is going to come down where the dogs are, where the dogs can reach. It's just within dog reach, just sort of out of the dog's direct reach and path where they wouldn't even notice the nest. But it's close enough that it's in their domain. And that's, that's where they are here. Yeah. You go all through the woods here and you can see nests at about five, five and a half feet all everywhere. You know, that's you brilliant, have to isn't it? to see them or just adjust yourself a little bit and then it's like a world of nests. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how animals make use of each other wherever they are. But, yeah, okay, well, so the, wait, next to, to my building, we've got um, called the South Park Blocks. And people walk their dogs. And it's the funniest thing to see these big dogs on the leash transform, transfixed looking up at the tree because they're squirrels and they taunt the dogs. (laughs) Well, they will. 
Yeah, and you know, wolves in the north, mm -hmm. at certain times of the year, like the spring, 90% and more of their diet is made up of rodents, rats, squirrels, wow. um, all kinds of mice and things like that. So people don't necessarily think of dogs as preying on squirrels, but oh boy, is it ever on their list of favorite foods. And the squirrels, yeah, yeah. The squirrels have a way of annoying them with the chatter and the tail flagging. Oh, yeah, they, they taunt them. And I watch the owners. <laughs> they stand with the dog staring up at the tree, ever patient, for half an hour at a time, just letting the dog stare at the squirrel. It's fascinating. Well, you know, it can backfire because if you encourage your dog to chase squirrels, one day he might see one on the other side of a road. So you really uh, have to be careful to not sort uh, of trigger the prey instinct, to teach him to heal instead and teach him other behaviors. It's tough. Yeah. Around here on our farm at Camp Good Dog, there's actually flying squirrels. And they're small. You hardly notice them. They're little brown things. When they fly, uh, they look like little balls. They sort of puff up. Really? The dogs chase them up a tree, you know, and the dogs got him in the tree, got him in the tree, got him in the tree. Yeah, and then the yeah. squirrel flies to another tree. They don't know where he's gone. There's no scent. Drives yeah, them yeah. mental looking for the squirrel. And yeah. I see the squirrel 30 feet away on the other side of the river going down the tree, do, 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 on his merry way. Yeah, yeah. Dog it's <laughs> very funny I know oh you sound like you live in a wonderful part of the world it's really nice out here it's a rainforest but it's on a mountain so we get a little bit of snow and there's pristine rivers we had the best salmon run they've had in a hundred years this year oh, so every day there's eagles flying through to go oh. fishing big bald eagles and their their offspring is uh, spotted and speckled in their juvenile oh, markings. Beautiful. It's, it's been fantastic. It really has. If you can deal with the rain like you're experiencing now, it's fantastic out here. Lots of space, lots of nature, animals. Yes, well, I'm dealing with the rain and I don't have your beauty, so you know, you're, you're really doing well. Well, on Christmas, actually, the day before Christmas, I was driving with my children somewhere and we had to pull off the road because I said they were reindeer. I'm not sure. But oh. there was an entire herd of deer blocking the road. And all the mums oh. who were rushing to go to wherever, karate, dance, wherever they were going, had right. pulled off because it was just too spectacular. Look, everybody, there's Santa's reindeer getting, oh, <laughs> getting that's ready. amazing, isn't and it? And they're just hanging out. They were in a yard with a llama and a horse and a couple of pigs, all just grazing around, you know, like this is just normal, you know. Of course, the deer can just spring out of there anytime they want. They've got springs yeah. for a basically. But it's, it's interesting around here. That's for sure. Well, you so, know, I live briefly in Ashland in Oregon and over there, I mean, animals are sacrosanct. And you'd sometimes walk in the streets, you'd come out of your apartment there were like three deer in the garden. I mean, they're allowed to go anywhere. It's, it's amazing. You know, when you say Ashland, that makes me think of the music festivals. Aren't they really big in the summer there? No, Ashland is a Shakespeare festival um, oh, in okay. Oregon. Yeah, so it, it's yeah, that's very, very big. And now they've extended it. It's like, I think, from February to February. It's just all the time, the Shakespeare festivals. But, yeah, it's so what happens? There's the just live theater all the time with different plays by Shakespeare? Is that what's... Because yeah. I heard there's, it's dressing up. I heard there's costumes and events. Yes, there's all sorts of things around, you know, the festival. And it's educational opportunities and promotional opportunities. And it's very, very fine caliber. It's a lovely place to go. I've got good friends there, and I might actually be going there next week. To and my friend that I stay with has a cat named Comet, and Comet is on the cover of my book and the cover of my audio CD. My friend took a picture of Comet staring at a menorah, 
And <laughs> so I'm going to go and thank Comet next week. He's adorable. He just, you I'm know, does everybody a favor. I'm starting to see a, a pattern here. I'm starting to see a pattern with you. You <laughs> use these cats to go around the world. You say, hey, anybody need a pet sitter? And off she goes. This is amazing. So yeah, that's why you asked how many cats I had. You think this is too much here. Well, yeah, you didn't ask how many dogs. Yeah, you don't want a pet sit for me at Camp Good Dog, I'm afraid. The chickens, the livestock. No, I don't no, think you're quite up to this one. No, the I don't. Market. I think it's beyond my reach, this one. But although at Christmas I did house the two little poodles um, in our building, and their names are Will and Grace. <laughs> oh, that's cute. That's cute. You know what? Speaking of poodles, that is part of the job here because I breed standard poodles, not little poodles. But we have three puppies left from the last litter, two reds and a blonde, boys and girls. Oh, and they're registered goodness. purebred poodles. If anybody's looking for a standard poodle, they just became available, had their last shots. And our golden retriever's expecting. She's going to have a litter of golden doodles. She's actually, her due date is Saturday. But today oh. she's digging little holes in the snow. So... I think maybe, maybe we're going to have to have an argument when I try and persuade her to have her litter inside and she yeah. tries to persuade me to have it outside. Her preferred places for litters are, well, this, she's never done it because I never let her, but she would like to dig a hole under a stump. She would like to dig a <laughs> hole into the basement. She would like to be under the foundation of the house. These are her choices. Now, I have uh, other choices for funny. her, like indoor heated area with me all clean. That's one right. choice. She never picks that. There's the heated barn. That's her default. She'll go there if I won't let her dig a disgusting, dirty trench under some place that's impossible to You know what? Under. You sound like a Jewish mother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, my golden retriever, she's like a hippie mom with her puppies. She's just so easygoing. Anything goes. And my standard poodle mom, little Miss Curly Hair there, she's mm-hmm. more like Jewish mom. She's very, very strict. Very yes. strict. Huh? Very so particular. It's interesting. So let's tell them one more time where they can get your book. It's Musings, My Life as a Jewish Cat. You'll find out about Passover, Hanukkah, Hawaii, New Zealand. You get extras added in there as you learn about the Jewish holidays from a cat's point of view. So where can they get it again? Okay, Musings is spelled M-E-W-S-I-N-G-S. My Life as a Jewish Cat is at Amazon um, on the Kindle edition, Barnes & Noble on the Nook edition, and then I've just signed with Smashwords, S-M-A-S-H-Words.com, and that you can just download um, for any ebook. And then I recorded a fun audio CD, uh, some tracks with pianist Michael Hoppe, and that's available on iTunes, to download Amazon MP3 and CDBaby.com. Well, since we're kind of on the topic of uh, Jewish, we're on the Jewish cats, I guess it's not too far reached to move it a little bit to Jewish dogs and just say that um, there's a lady that's very famous in the Jewish community, and she was my teacher when I was a kid, and then again when I was a young adult, music teacher, and she taught me when I was a song leader. And um, yesterday while I was on the air, I didn't realize, but Debbie Friedman's funeral began yesterday. And she's uh, a lady who had two little dogs she loved and adored. But more than that, she loved and adored teaching Judaism and using music as a vehicle to do that. She Mm -hmm. was inclusive and loving and beautiful. And I just hope that the people who happen to be listening to this show, because it is about Jewish cats, we might get a lot of overlap here, will will know that uh, I'm among those she affected and inspired. And I've been teaching Jewish music ever since... I met her 
when I was well, you know, it's funny you say that because I interviewed Debbie, um, and the and there's a quote from the LA Times in the New York Times obituary. I interviewed her about I think it was ten years ago, just before Pesach. She was living in San Diego, and she had a golden retriever. And she played me her music, and I interviewed, and it was really quite wonderful. And then I had lunch with her once in New York, and I've got some of her albums. She was just a wonderful woman. It just made me very, very sad when I uh, I heard of her passing yesterday. She took the oldest prayers and the most holy verses and prophetic sayings and put them Mm -hmm. to music that kids would bop to and groove to and get excited about and make harmonies for. And she was Mm -hmm. all about, at first it was only within the reform movement and only at camp. When I met Mm -hmm. her, I was a camper and she was the songstress for the whole nifty movement. It was in the reform movement. And I was just a kid at camp, but I signed up for the song-making hobby club. And there she was, our teacher. In a grassy field with a table and a bunch of kids and some music yeah, she, and a guitar. She was amazing. And years wasn't she? later, she was going around touring all the camps, giving concerts to huge groups of kids. And then wow. years later, still, she was traveling, doing the synagogues and giant shows. And now, yeah. toward the end, she was teaching the cantors. So she was teaching the people who will be teaching music for generations to come. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. It's, um, I remember this one track that really should, You should be a blessing. Yes. Oh, Oh, beautiful. 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 She did things like she took the alphabet and made it as accessible as the alphabet song we know from Sesame Street, but she did Mm. it in Hebrew. She did things like take really beautiful, touching prayers that really had old world tunes. Hasidic tunes and tunes from Poland and Germany from 200 years ago. And for some reason, much of Judaism had got locked on Mm -hmm. that era. And things weren't really being created or added, and she added so much. And once it exploded into the reform movement, it got picked up within conservative. And then, as they said at her funeral yesterday, they've even heard it sung in the Orthodox and even heard it given credit as an ancient melody, when actually it was Debbie who made the melody. But she was... Uh, compared to the the great judge Deborah, who sat under a tree and helped people with advice, and she was compared to Miriam at the well, which is one of her famous songs. Yeah, yeah. The women, and that was something she did. She embraced the most disenfranchised groups within the Jewish people and brought them to the music. And her love of animals was always there. She was always talking yeah. about it at every concert and always connecting with kids and animals everywhere she went so I just wish that she was still here and I hope people will sing her music and make new music in her honor as she would have wonderful yes in memorial of Debbie Friedman yes I agree with you she made such an impact on so many of us so thank you Greta and and thank thank you it was so much fun it was wonderful I enjoyed talking to you oh you too okay so when we started the show I told you that Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, would you rather kiss them or your dog or cat to celebrate ringing in the new year? Well, most people would rather kiss their pets. I know Debbie Friedman would rather kiss her pets than celebrities, that's for sure. So that's the answer to that. But I did want to say something good about Brad and Angelina because they donated huge sums of money recently. And they're often in the limelight for helping kids, but they're not usually in the limelight for helping animals. And so this time they did the right thing with one of those countries that they actually have a child from. They've now set up a fund to help with wildlife. And so I just want to keep our eye on them. Maybe they're not 
as frivolous as they're sometimes made out to be or as random. And actually, they, for celebrities especially, they're doing incredible work. So on the side of the animals, we've got to count Brad and Angelina as friends of the animals, for sure. No matter what else they do, they're definitely helping the animals. So a lot of people have New Year's resolutions for themselves. Well, some people have New Year's resolutions for their pets. So here's some from the AKC. These are your pets, your dogs, top 10 New Year's resolutions for 2011. Number 10, wag more, bark less. Number 9, hide the toenail clippers so mom can't find them. Number 8, try not to squeeze on the glass. (laughs) Number 7, stop storing. Number 6, more cuddling. Number 5, do more volunteer work. Number 4, be more even lovable than the year before. Number 3, figure out how to open the tree cabinet. Number two, stop jumping on the dining room table. Number one, be nice to the cat. <laughs> so that's Fido's top ten. I'd like to see Kitty. Kitty probably doesn't bother with this stuff. Kitty thinks it's just fine the way it is, especially if it's a Jewish cat. Then it thinks it's perfect. It's the best cat in the world. It's God's gift to catdom. Okay, well, that's how my dog thought about herself. She thought she was queen of dogdom because that's how I felt about her, my blue healer. So... That's been a great show today, and I do want to honor Debbie Friedman, and I also wanted to mention my dog, Thump. I'll talk about him again next time I'm on the air, because more to come about Thump, everybody. Until next time, this has been The Animal Party, and I hope you enjoyed the show. It's been musings from a Jewish cat. Maybe someday we'll have Greta Beagle back to talk about musings from a Jewish dog. Yeah, maybe. Her name is Beagle, after all. All right, everybody, be good to your animals, and I'll talk to you next week at Animal Party. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.